Hello, and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. Before we jump into today's show, I just want to remind you that we have many contemplative prayer retreats scheduled for 2022, with one nearly every month starting in March and all the way through October. You're certain to find a weekend that'll fit your schedule. Please don't miss the opportunity to take time away and be alone with God. We'll support you and surround you with good food and friends. Also, we hope you can join us for one of our online workshops. If you'd like to learn to pray better or learn to listen non-defensively, then our workshops are for you. With many different days and times, these two-hour workshops are convenient for anybody's busy schedule. Check out all of these things and register at signpostin.org. And now here's the show. Hey, Brandon. Welcome to the Back Porch. Good to see you, Matt. You too. So this week, we're going to go ahead and continue with the interview with Father Joseph, right? Yep. Uh, this time, I believe we're talking about prayer and what Father Joseph has learned about prayer uh, being a monk. Okay. Well, with that, let's go ahead and jump into the interview. What is prayer from from the Orthodox, from your perspective? How would you define it? I think the first thing as someone that was Orthodox that I would say is you can't always put a definition on the ineffable. And why do we even need to? And now that being said, yes, I'm a Western person. And so answer the question. I think the best definition is the raising of the heart and mind toward God. Anything more than that, we're starting to talk about types of prayer. For some folks, the idea of prayer having a type or a structure is, well, no, I just talk to God. What's interesting about that, when asked by his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray, God didn't just say, Jesus didn't just say, you know, well, just talk to God. No, he gave them a liturgical prayer. Here's how you pray. And it was a piece of profound theology. Praying with the Art Father, really, if you only had to have one prayer, that's it. Now, Pray that, and now go think about what you just said. You'll take the rest of your life. Prayer for me personally is, it's important that I don't put too much definition on it. One of the things that happens in monk land is that monks like, we like books, we like to write, we like answers, we like questions, we like to answer questions, we like to ask questions about our answers, we're, we're literary, we're, you know, we love word stuff. We're very logos driven. And one of the things that can pop up with that is that you start to get different definitions of prayer and categories. And then the most dangerous thing is that leads to an idea of stages in your prayer life. And then that'll take you right into the worst question. Well, where am I at? Mm. The minute that we have to decide where we're at means that we're putting ourselves somewhere on a scale. 
the minute that we're putting someone on a scale, ourselves primarily, then what that also means is that we are putting people higher or lower on the scale than us. Thus comes competition and competing monks is not pretty. So I try to stay away from too much defining. But what I can do is say that for us as Benedictine monks, our primary prayer comes from the liturgy and from what we call Lexio Divina, sacred reading. Let me pause you there for a second. We're going to come back to that, I hope. Let's take a second to define Benedictine monk and tell us just a little bit about that. A Benedictine is someone who follows the rule of St. Benedict, which now is probably, at least in the West, the most used rule, a rule being an outline of life. It covers really the, the scope of daily life. The rule of Benedict is one of great moderation. There's a loving, gentle, fatherly tone throughout it. And it is pretty much the basis for what we would consider Western monasticism. There are other rules. Most of them, though, are a variation of the rule of Benedict. So when someone says they're a Benedictine monk, what they mean would be they are a Christian monk that follows the rule of St. Benedict in their daily life and in the life of their community. I know a lot of people when I've said, hey, I do a retreat at a Benedictine Orthodox monastery, usually the first question I get is, what is a monk? And you had mentioned, I don't know, I'm, forgive me, I cannot remember the words, that you recently took a certain vow level or something. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just kind of give us that little, sure. the real... Sure. So what's a monk? A monk is a crazy person. A, a monk is someone who just has no idea what they're doing with her. No, a monk is someone who through a feeling of a vocation, a call from God, dedicates their life to a specific place, to a specific group of individuals for a specific life. That life being to live the gospel in what that community understands as its fullness. We literally give up our life. We give up that life to Christ. We give up that life to Christ in the church. We give up that life through obedience. We give up our life through celibacy, chastity, and poverty. Uh, all those things being really against the contemporary moral. And so that's what I mean. People think we're crazy. The interesting thing is people think we're crazy, and at the same time, they're maybe a little envious. And that gives us a certain bit of mystery, uh, which is helpful uh, when talking with folks. I have to tell you a funny story of um, the last month we were out here. One of the guys that was with us, super interested, came to several of your services and prayers. And he, as he left, he said, I, I really thought I wanted to be a monk. And then he goes, then I realized that they didn't dance. <laughs> I don't know if that's even true or not, but it was like, for whatever reason, he had it in his head that he, that was his thing. No, you know, the funny, the funny thing about it is, is that one of the things that we actually share, if you want to dance, go ahead. Don't, you know, keep your eyes on the Lord while you're doing so. But dancing's not one of our, our things that we can't do. What is funny though about that is the assumptions that people make about what our life is about. And yeah, you don't see us walking around. Uh, like I said, you, you might see us in Walmart and, you know, and most 
folks actually think were LARPing Jedis. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, really? Really, really. Most people, most people do not know what a monk is anymore. Maybe a few people have seen nuns in habits, but that's rare. Never have they seen a monk. And that's part of our apostolate is to walk out in a habit. Though we could talk about the whole reason for a habit on and on, but the, the main reason for the habit, one is to show people, yes, we exist. We are not a myth. Two, it's for us. When you walk out in, you know, big black robes, you have to A, have a commitment to this life because people are going to point and laugh. They're going to say all kinds of really rude things. Most of it's out of ignorance. Some of it's out of hostility. Um, when you're wearing a habit, they may not know whether you're a Protestant or Orthodox or Roman or whatever, but they know you're probably Christian. And depending on where they're at, their own levels of comfort or anger at Christianity, you become such an easy, obvious target in a way that the guy in the you know plaid flannel shirt standing next to you isn't. And so we get some of that, not a lot, but some. But the monk is the person who is willing to put up with it and to not only put up with it, but to embrace it. The hard part is to love the person. Um, and that's ultimately what we're called to do. Our, our vocation is to love. So let me take us back to prayer. Given what you've already said, I think this question is not a good question. But I'm going to ask it anyway, because I think it's the way that a lot of us would like to hear it asked, which is very straightforwardly, how should we pray? You should pray as you can. Monks pray the Psalms. We go through the entire Psalter in a week. It's in a specific order. But our primary prayer life is the prayer of the Psalms. Probably don't need to remind people that the Psalms are the prayer book of Israel and that our Lord was very well familiar with the Psalms. And as you learn to pray with the Psalms, what you learn is that they covered the, the entire range of human emotion, anger, love, glory, joy, praise, despair. There are parts of the Psalms which some of our monastic brothers and sisters and other traditions have cut out because the Psalms can be pretty harsh and calls for violence. God, strike them down. God, crush their bones. Yes, real people doing real prayer will feel those things. God can, God can take it. So how to pray? Well, that's how we pray. How someone else should pray if, if the only option open to them was you have to pray 150 psalms a week, they're, no, they're not going to do it. I think the way to say to folks, how should I pray is, well, the first thing is, we'll just start to pray. Second of all, I would say, be consistent. Are you praying in the morning? I'll tell you, the best time for prayer is right after you get up. Ask God to direct your thinking. You're going to be put on a much better basis for the rest of the day if God has already poured a little bit of the Spirit into your brain before you even get the coffee. Pray beginning of the evening. That's kind of the natural human division of the day when you get up, when you get home from work. And most of us need a reboost when we get home, whatever getting home looks like. I would say that the other important part is to eventually find out what works, what doesn't work. 
prayer is talking with God. God will talk back. If God's not talking back, then I would say, A, you're probably not giving God space to talk back. Uh, B, you're telling God what you want to hear and cutting out anything that you don't want to hear. And that probably it's not dialogue back and forth. If it feels like it's something to check off your to-do list, probably not the right way to pray. Let me ask you this, because this is something that, in my experience, is really important. You said, if it's not dialogue, A is what grabbed my attention. You're probably not giving space for God to talk. What does it look like, or what does it mean to give space for God to talk? For us, I would say, as Benedictine monks, it's a twofold dance back and forth between liturgical prayer and what's called Lexio Divina, sacred reading. It's reading scripture. It doesn't have to be scripture, but it probably should be scripture. Very slowly, not for information. It is chewing on the words. And that God is very merciful, God is very gracious, and God is very generous. If you are asking him, Lord, I need an answer to this. What do I do? And you're also prayerfully reading scripture, something will stand out. The most important thing, though, is that for us as monks, you have to have a spiritual father, mother, brother, director. There's all kinds of language for it. But that history has shown time and time and time again, the most dangerous thing that a single person can do is to say, God told me this without maybe running it past another person. If God's really trying to tell you something, you'll get the message. The Blessed Virgin did not need to run past her cousin Elizabeth. You know, God showed up to me and told me this. What do you think? God wants you to know something, you will know it. But that we are so easily deceived. And that what we have is a spiritual father. We take what we hear in prayer, and maybe I want to come back and talk about what I say, what we hear in prayer, because that doesn't necessarily mean that someone's hearing an audio locution, but that what we're getting in prayer, we take to someone else and say, hey, what do you think? This should be someone whose life looks like what we want our life to look like and run it past someone. Probably don't want to run it past 15 people. A, people aren't all that interested in your spiritual life. B, if you're shopping around waiting to hear what you want to hear, that's pretty dangerous. But it's having someone else, a trusted friend whose life looks like what you want your spiritual life to look like, and to say, hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe God's telling me this. And when they giggle at you, then, you know, go from there. Let's do revisit briefly what you said wouldn't what you hear from prayer and you said it's not audio locution it's not necessarily hearing a voice you're not hearing an audible voice it may not be okay that you're not hearing an audible audible voice it could be that you are hearing an audible voice our experience is most of the time god is the quietest of the voices if you're hearing an audible voice chances are it's the other guy the other guy talks just as much as god talks we, we have a tendency to forget about, you know, the guy in the red jammies with the horns, especially in contemporary culture. That's just a, whoa, wait a minute. You, what, what? I will tell you personally. I will tell you the experience of the Orthodox. I will tell you the experience of 2000 years of Christian tradition. As we understand it, the other guy is alive. He's busy. He's loud. He's showy. 
He's completely defeated, which he doesn't like at all. That doesn't mean that we're not engaged in the middle of a mop-up campaign. The devil is as active now as he was in the Middle Ages when people actually believed in him and at the very beginning. And that's why we need a spiritual friend because the other guy can sound really convincing. And so part of prayer is discernment. Who's talking? And how God answers is going to depend, I think, a lot on our own experience, our own personality. My very first prayer, which I didn't even know that I was saying, it was being said in the depths of my heart, I guess, was answered by literally a burst of bright white light. That's what I needed then. Oh, that the Lord would send me big bright light right now. Nope. Ever since then, there have been maybe three or four times in 35 years where it's been a powerful experience. Most of the time, it's very quiet. Our free will absolutely overrides all of it. Like I said, if God wants us to know something and it's important, he'll make sure that we understand. We still can say no. And so prayer is just that learning really to listen to the language that God speaks to me at this time. So I know that you're going to have to go here in a few minutes to prayers. Yeah. Um, I haven't been able to ask my questions about icons yet, so I think I'm going to have to ask you to come back. But I would like to ask this question. Many of the people that I am working with and speaking with struggle to pray. And I think the questions I've asked so far will probably grind mm-hmm. and will hurt. What would you, what, what advice, what comfort, what, what would you give to someone who is in that space of, I would love to pray, but I can't. I'm afraid that my first statement is going to rub even harder. Prayer is not an option. Prayer is not a, I do it when I feel like it. This is the hard part. I don't care whether you feel like doing it or not. I think that one of the greatest victories in the enemy's camp is that he's flipped it to where we get to decide. If you're unable to stand and simply say, God, your will be done today, I don't know what to say to that person. Whether you feel like saying it or not, if you can't simply stand and say, God, I don't care, your will be done today. And that's all you can say. Before you go to bed at night, you say, thank you. And then you start over the next day. If that kind of movement in prayer is impossible for the person, then they're dealing with a spiritual illness and probably a physical and psychological illness that I can't help with. Prayer isn't, though, about us. Prayer is about us connecting with God. For folks that are really struggling with prayer... And everyone's going to be different. My first question is, well, what are you struggling about? Hmm. If it's, well, I don't have time. Well, then you're, you're doing too long. Prayer literally can be a sentence. I personally think that the perfect prayer is God, your will be done. All the rest of it is commentary. All the rest of it is just trying to figure out what we need to do in order to make that happen throughout the day. And at the end of the day, thank you. The error is our part in that we don't have the faith to believe that what we've asked God's ready to do. And that we think we have to be in a different place or we have to feel a different way or we have to think a different thought. Or for years, I spent my life 
thinking that my spiritual life just depended on when I read that right book and I read that right paragraph and that right sentence and everything opened up and suddenly I was on fire with faith and I knew God and I knew exactly what to do and everything else. The problem was I just hadn't read that paragraph yet. I'll never read that paragraph. I'll read something that may inspire me a little bit or I'll read something that answers the question, but I'm kind of missing the point. What is the point of my life as a Christian? My point of my life as a Christian is to submit myself to the will of God. How do I do that? I stand up in the morning and I say, God, your will be done. Everything else is commentary. But I also have to believe that if I say that to God, and then I spend the rest of my day kind of acting like that's actually what I want to happen, that he will provide the grace that I need to do it. The hard part's when it doesn't look like what I want it to look like. I, I deeply appreciate that answer. I have a similar story, but there's a lot there I'd love to unpack is what I'd like to say, but we do not have the time right now. Um, I think for this time, let me just say thank you for taking the time to sit with me and chat. I This has been really exciting. My, my mind is a fire with all kinds of things I'd love to talk about, but um, yeah. Thanks for listening. We have one more episode coming out with Father Joseph next time. And in the meantime, would you consider rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite podcast platform? A five-star rating and a good review go a long ways in helping us spread the word that we exist. And as always, Thanks to all of our supporters who make what we do possible. We couldn't do this without you. Would you consider supporting us as well? You can make a quick and easy donation at www.signpostin.org donate.